You're listening to Being Autistic. I'm your host, Shelly, and I am a 50-year-old woman sharing my experiences about what it's like to grow up knowing I was different but not knowing why, how I learned I was on the autism spectrum, and what it's like to be autistic. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Being Autistic, where I'm going to talk about a subject that autistic people often get accused of, but I'm going to defend that position where I, d- I don't believe that we truly are these things. However, it just appears that we are. And that is being selfish or self-centered. So the two words kind of mean the same thing, um, but there's a few differences in the way that Um, I think selfishness is, I think it's a word that neurotypical people use to describe us or to describe anyone who is selfish. But the thing is, to the person that is being um, accused of being selfish, it's not, it doesn't feel like that. And so I'm going to talk about that in this episode. And as far as self-centeredness goes... The word autism is actually derived from a word that does mean centered on the self. And that is, I, I talked a little bit about that in my um, episode where I talked about autism in general, where I kind of talked about what the words mean. So there are two types of brains, the neurotypical and the neurodivergent brain and you know, when it pertains to this podcast, it's the autism brain, where it is focused more on the internal world. So, of course, someone that's focused on their internal world is going to appear self-centered because they're going to appear that they don't care about the outer, the outer world. And a lot of, you know, the neurotypical brain is focused on the external world, on other people. And so that is why it's so much easier for neurotypical people to have relationships, to build friendships easily, to have a wide social circle, to be really good working with the public and customers in their job. So that's that's something crucial that I wanted to get out of the way. It's basically just the way that our brain is. And so now I'm going to talk about why I believe we are not truly selfish. And it comes back again to that description of the what the word means. I think I think selfishness is a word that came about when people did not understand the whole thing with being um, internal world focused. So I think the word selfish is actually like a, not a derogatory word, but like a insult, insult, I guess might be a word, Um, because I don't believe that people are truly selfish on purpose, because there's always an underlying cause, and most of the time it's going to be something brain-related. So I've written down here, I've got about eight or nine different things that I want to like examples of how someone could be perceived as selfish. And the first one is that human beings, and this goes into um, psychology, human beings are designed to survive. And if we don't have our basic needs met, we are in survival mode. We are almost in like an agitated state all the time where Our primary focus is to be comfortable, to be safe, 
to make sure we have food, to make sure we have shelter. And in, in the modern world today, we have a lot more things that are hurting our safety. We have money struggles, we deal with homelessness, um, probably lots more, but basically there's a lot more people in survival mode nowadays because of financial reasons and just stress, stress of the world. And so where am I going with this? You might be wondering how does this relate to autistics being selfish? When I'm gonna, when I say the word selfish from now on, imagine me doing air quotes because I truly don't really believe that we are being selfish on purpose. I'm gonna just start saying self-centered, but that sounds bad too. Um, internalizing, it, it, our internalizing world, our, our internal world is important to us. And when you're in survival mode, you are naturally drawn to things that are going to help you survive. So for autistic people, that is going to be even more pronounced than it is in an, a neurotypical person. So it's almost like, and I did an episode on this too, where we are seen as childish a lot. And to me, yeah, I, that's, that's another word similar to selfishness that I think people made that word up to derate, not derate, der, why am I blanking on my words today? Degrade? Yeah, I think that's the word I meant. To degrade people that act selfish. So when an autistic person becomes an adult, it's harder because we don't feel like adults. Most of the time we feel like like children in an adult body. And so we are pushed into this modern world where we are forced to be independent and take care of ourselves, but we still feel like a child on the inside. And we still feel like now survival is an even bigger deal because it's not just about our parents taking care of us now. It's us and we struggle with that. So I'm going to also say, this is a side note, this is not every autistic person is like this, but many are, and I would dare to say that most are, because I see and hear this so much, and I'm this way too. So f survival is our number one focus, and survival means so many things, and autistic people our brains take in so much information, we become overwhelmed. That's what overstimulation is all about. And what leads to meltdowns and shutdowns and panic attacks and all that anxiety. So we're trying to avoid those things. And how can we avoid those things? By being as safe as possible. And that means that <laughs> there's just so much to deal with and so much to take care of that we have to let some things fall to the wayside. We have to focus on our survival, and that means our self, our body. What do I need to do in this moment to make my body feel safe? I can't go to in certain situations. I can't be in certain environments. That's going to make someone appear selfish because, you know, somebody might say, well, why will you never call me to hang out? And when I do, you don't want to do the things I want to do. You just want to sit home all the time. You're being selfish because it's all about you. You only do what you want to do. And that is because autistic people need to control their environment 
and the people that they're around, the, the situations that are, they're around, it's all about survival. And that's why I think survival is such a really big part of this, and I had to talk about it first. So, another example of where they might think that we are selfish is, and I don't know if anybody else experiences this, <clears throat> I do, but, so I'm, I'm uh, identify as female, and I, I'm a small person, I'm petite and short, <clears throat> and I do not have muscles. Okay, so I cannot do a lot of things for myself. I can't lift most things. I Like when I move, I need a bunch of guys to do it all. I can't work on my car. I can't do repairs. And so I find myself asking for help a lot. And on the flip side of that, nobody ever asks me for help. And so they might think of me as... Oh, she's always needing attention and for us to do things for her, but she never can help us. And that might be seen as selfish. But like I just said, it's there's reasons for it. And I can't help my body. I can't help that I'm unable to lift heavy things. I can't help that I can't understand how a car works and how to fix a car, how to do my plumbing, how to work on my roof, you know... I've had all of these issues happen in my life where I was completely helpless and needed somebody to, like, a stronger person, a more knowledgeable person to come in and help. And that makes me feel like they see me as self-centered because I can't ever help them. I mean, nobody ever has ever asked me for help now that I'm thinking about it. Okay, maybe somebody asked me for a ride, but that's different. Anybody can give anybody a ride if they have a car, but I can't be there for someone to fix something or I mean if if I help somebody move, I'm pretty useless. <laughs> so I feel like it's a very one-sided thing and it makes me appear self-centered that I, I need all this help, but I can't help anybody else. And that, you might be able to relate to that, maybe not, but I just had to mention it because it's it's something that bothers me. I don't like feeling like a burden. So, moving on to the next thing here is, this is just an example from when I was a teenager. And <laughs> when you're a teenager, you're not really very aware of other people. I mean, in some ways, yes, but most teenagers are not going to be thinking of others first. And... So this, this incident happened when I was a teenager, like I said, and my dad did not even call this to my attention until I was in my 30s. And apparently he never forgot it. And so the incident was when I was a teenager, me and my brother were at his house and <clears throat> we, he had some friends over and we ordered some food and the food came and some of the food was... Um, we were all supposed to share it because it came in a giant amount and everybody was supposed to take some. But that's another thing I didn't understand. I did not understand the concept of what's mine and what's yours. I just saw food and I took what I wanted. That's considered selfish, apparently. My dad told me 20 years later, yeah, re remember that time we were eating with the fr our friends over and you, you took all the all of the mashed potatoes and didn't leave any for anybody else. And I was like, what? I don't remember doing that. 
And he said, yeah, all the food came and, and we all looked at each other going, look at her. She's taking all the mashed potatoes and she doesn't even realize that nobody else has not had any yet. And he told me this 20 years later and I'm just like, okay, I don't, rem I don't remember ever this happening. I don't remember ordering from that restaurant. I don't remember this day at all. So what was I supposed to say? I mean, I, I'm sure that in my brain <laughs> I was thinking... Oh, I love mashed potatoes. I'm going to eat them. <laughs> you know, there's so much food here. Like, I can't eat it all, but but I wanted the mashed potatoes. I didn't want this other stuff. I didn't want that other stuff. It's not like I ate everything myself. Apparently, the amount of mashed potatoes was small because there is no way that a 100-pound girl would have been able to eat enough mashed potatoes for five people, which is how many, five or six people were there. So I think, you know, maybe my dad was exaggerating. Maybe there was a smaller amount of potatoes than was, than he meant to order. Maybe he was, I don't know. I don't know. But all I know is that he thought I was being selfish with the food. And I don't remember this incident happening. All I can say is my brain saw food and ate it. I didn't, I, you can't really blame someone for being selfish when they didn't know that they were supposed to be acting in another way. And this is a social situation that happens a lot. Any time where you're with other people and there's some rules, unwritten rules that you're supposed to know, and it just did not hit me. So I didn't know. And... <laughs> That's the end of that, I guess. There's no more I can say. <laughs> okay, so another example of being perceived as selfish is when, and I know a lot of people do this. I know a lot of autistic people do this because it's mentioned a lot in the groups that I'm in, is when someone is talking about their life and they're talking about a problem or a concern or they're venting about something, an autistic person will naturally respond with a related story. And this is so that the person can understand that we understand their concern. Like somebody says, oh my gosh, I am so depressed today because I'm broke and my car is having problems and I'm sick. All this stuff is happening today. So the autistic person is going to hear that and say, Oh, I know how you feel. I, I've been sick before and my car is having problems too, so I know how that goes. And and I'm actually, I think I might be getting sick too. And so the, the neurotypical person might be like, Hey, I'm talking about myself here. Why are you trying to shift the attention to you? But the autistic person is not trying to shift the attention we are trying to get the person to understand that we can relate. How else can we get someone to understand that we relate to them other than by giving example? And so, you know, that's something that happens all the time, all the time. And it's so common. And there, there's no other way to explain it. We simply just want you to feel less alone. We want you to feel like we 
can relate to your problems because we have the same problems and we don't see we we just don't see how this is a bad thing so we are not selfish in that situation we are trying we are that's how we relate to people and if we can't relate let's say we've never had car problems we've you know we can't relate at all to this person's issue then we don't know what to say we can't even bring up an example of where we felt the same and so then in that case we would just and i've done this before when i can't relate to the person i'll just be like oh bummer that sucks and beyond those words i don't know what else to say i just how, <laughs> i'm at a loss for words right now trying to decide what i would say in that situation just keep on repeating that sucks oh that sucks Oh, I'm sorry. That's a bummer. You know, how many more times can you say it without it sounding um, like you're just repeating words that don't mean anything? And that's why we like it when other people say problems that we can relate to. Because that way we have something to say. <laughs> Otherwise, we are just like, I don't know how to deal with this conversation. I feel bad for this person, but I don't know how to say that. I don't know what else to say besides I'm sorry, it sucks. So that's why we will bring up things that we know because that's all we know to say. And then the next thing on my list here is, it's kind of related to that actually. And that is when we do things with other people, we want to do things that are either like our special interest or something that's not going to um, bother us, something that's not going to overstimulate us. So other people will be like, let's go do this and then this and then this. And then the autistic person might be like, I like the one thing, but I don't want to do the other two things. Should I even go? And then, you know, I the autistic person might be like, well, I'll do this, but I'm then I'm going to go home afterwards. And then the other person is going to be like, well, why are you so selfish? You only want to do what you want to do. Why won't you do things? Oh, gosh, I don't know how many times I've had somebody say this to me. Why don't you ever want to do things that other people want you to do? Um, you know, how should I word this? <laughs> like, they're not forcing me, but they're they're acting like it's not difficult for me to just do something that I don't want to do for like five hours. You know, it, it's only a couple of hours. Why can't you do it? Because we do other things that you like to do. And then I'm thinking, well, yeah, because you like that other thing too. So of course it's easy for you. But it's kind of funny now that I'm realizing it. These people that say that, they never force themselves to do things that you want. It's always stuff that like you both want to do. But they don't even know how to talk about the subject when it's just something that you can't do or don't want to do then it, to them it's like oh why can't you just do it anyway it's only a couple of hours and so then they see you as selfish because you're really limited to the things that you're interested in and that's a big topic there because that's how special interests work um they are kind of like all we want to talk about all we want to do and we can handle a little bit of other things but it's not like a whole entire day of hanging out with people when you're doing a bunch of different things, it's almost like 
in the on the inside we're going oh i hope they don't want to do something i don't want to do then i'm gonna have to do it or then they're gonna give me hell for not doing it and it's yeah that's a whole separate subject i did an episode about special interest <clears throat> if you want to listen to that one that's kind of talks a little bit about why um why we are so <laughs> one track minded with special interests in doing things um one track mind is a very good way to describe that and that makes somebody look selfish because people look at us and think that's all you want to do you don't want to do things for other people and it's not like that it's not like we're purposely trying to not do things for other people it comes down to the survival mode if I want to have um, good energy for the day where I'm not stressed out and beaten down, I need to replenish myself with things that I'm interested in. It's, it's all about survival. So that's that. <laughs> and then the next example of selfishness, and this has happened to me so many times, I've had have you ever had this happen to you where somebody will actually call you out on not asking them how they are? <laughs> um, so, like, I have a friend, well, you know, actually almost all my friendships are like this, where the other person is always the first one to contact me because I always feel like I'm bothering people. Unless I have something to say, of course I will say it. It's not like I'm avoiding them. But I don't just say, hey, how are you? I mean, I have a few times when I'm concerned, but in the normal course of events in the life, you know, in, let's say a week or two, I'm not just going to randomly ask a friend how they are. And that's not seen as right in this world because people think that we're supposed to reach out to others and, and ask how they're doing. And that, that even goes to um, goes towards when you see someone in person. And to me, that goes that's part of small talk. When you see someone in person, you're like, hey, how are you? How are you doing? And I get it. I get that that's just the, the middle thing you say. First you say hi, then you say how are you doing, and then you start talking about the other thing. But... It's just, and that kind of tells me that it's not important because nobody wants to hear how you really are. If you ever answer that question by saying, oh my God, I've never been worse. I'm so depressed and I'm going to be homeless. And they don't want to hear that because you're dragging the mood down and they don't have any, you know, Nobody wants to hear that. They just want to hear you say, oh, I'm good. Are you good too? Cool. You know, but nobody's really ever good. Even the people that say they're good, like neurotypical people, when they say, I'm good, I really don't think that they are either. Well, they might be. They have a, they have a higher chance of being good than I do, that's for sure. But I still think that that whole conversation is, it's one of those social rules that everybody does because it's a social rule. I don't think people really, I don't know, it's hard to, it's hard to put into words. So basically I get accused of not asking how people are. Like one of my friends, she's like, I'm always the only one to say hi. You never say hi first. And like, aren't you, aren't you wondering how I'm doing? 
and then my response is um in this very moment no i guess i wasn't because um right before you said that i was working on something on my computer so no i wasn't thinking about how you were doing um and i mean let's say it had been a month since we talked i i would say something like i'm having a lot of problems in my life um I can catch you up on all the problems if you want, but see, that's seen as being selfish. I'm not going to just blurt out all of my problems to somebody just so that they know why I have not been available. So if I'm having a problem, and this is this will go for anybody that's dealt with depression, if you have a problem, yeah, you might there might be some signs, you might throw out some hints, like make some posts on Facebook about it, but you're not going to just contact someone and start off with small talk and say, hey, how are you? I'm, and then, okay, I got all these problems. You know, it's just, it, depression is something that makes you want to hide from people. It makes you not want to talk about your problems because you don't, it usually doesn't go well. People usually say, well, you're doing this wrong. Why don't you just do this? Or, you know, they have so much advice, so many platitudes, which I just, I just love using that word now because I finally know what it means. And it means the same exact thing <clears throat> that I've been trying to, like, convey. Where people just throw out this random advice that's like, just do this. Don't worry. Everything will be okay. Just do this. And it's so, oh, I'm getting so, like, against that kind of thing now. And, and it's basically people trying to make you feel better. I get it. Nobody wants to feed into your depression. But let's be real. <laughs> you know, autistic people are all about being real. Well, I mean, that's a different subject, but to ourselves. We want to be real we, we we don't like lies we don't like deceit we don't like things that are fake so when it comes to talking about problems i don't want somebody to tell me just meditate and that'll make it all better <laughs> or you're not doing this right you need to do it this way so there's yeah that's that's a <laughs> my brain's kind of going a little all over the place now but um i, I did kind of lose track of where i was going with that whole conversation <laughs> so i'm just going to move on to the next one and that's <laughs> a good example here actually um uh, selfish uh, selfish people are usually appear to be in their own world they usually appear to not be aware of others in their world and this is just a thing with our brains our brains are insane no i don't mean it that way <laughs> that came out wrong our brains are chaos that's what i meant our brains are just chaos of information thoughts and it's we can't help but need to focus on it like um and, and also, the other thing is, 
when you're focused on the out the outside world, it's just adding more. It's adding more to your brain. So like if you're overstimulated, you cannot deal with people. So somebody's going to think you're selfish because why are you sitting in your bedroom by yourself in your own little world? And I got told this so much as a kid. As a kid, I was in my bedroom playing by myself. I didn't need the outside world. And so that made me look selfish. I remember my parents would be like, come out here with the rest of the family. And I'm like, oh, fine. <laughs> I wanted to stay in my own little world because there was too much going on already. I didn't want to complicate it with people and other external stimulation that I couldn't control. So when you see someone that appears to be in their own world, don't think of that as a selfish thing. It's, um, and yeah, that is another definition of being self-centered, where you kind of feel like you're the center of the world. But people that are not like that are not going to understand, but that is just the way it is. And it's our brain, we can't help it. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about is people that are autistic need, and this goes back to the survival thing, I think, need things to be their way. And when people need things to be their way, that appears to be selfish. But like I said, we need to um, survive <laughs> and we need to be in the right situation, the right environment to survive, to be comfortable, and that is why we need things to be our way. And maybe, you know, there's a lot of words that could describe that, not just selfish, but maybe controlling. I think controlling too is another word that can be lumped in with selfishness and, and childishness to the outside person that doesn't understand how the brain is on the inside they're going to see it as, oh, you're just trying to control everything. Why are you always trying to make it so that we have to conform to what you want, but you never do it the opposite back to us, you know? And that's because we can't. <laughs> we need, I mean, we can in small amounts and some people can handle more. Some people, like even when I was younger, in, in my 20s and 30s, I could handle a lot more than I can now. And so it was easier for me to go along with other people on what they wanted to do. It was easier to not get my way. And that phrase has always really bothered me. When people say, things aren't always going to go your way and you can't always get your way. Oh, does, does, does that bother anybody else too? <laughs> I mean... I know logically that yes, the world is unfair and I know that things are not always going to go my way, but this specific example, the world is not going to end if I get my way here. Why can't I eat this for dinner? This is not going to make the world end. Why can't they have dumb reasons for this? They have, and it's always like, they don't want you to have that control. That's how I feel like, you know, like, let's say a child wants to eat pizza every day. The parent is going to say, you can't always get your way. You got to eat vegetables sometimes. And <laughs> that might be a bad example because 
I know it's not healthy for anybody to eat pizza every day. Let me try to use a different example. <laughs> um, okay, maybe let's say a child wants to stay in the room and play all day. Every day. They want to stay in their room and play with their toys by themselves. And the parent might be like, you have to go outside. You have to play with the other kids. The other kids want you to play with them. You can't always have your way. You can't always sit in your room. In that case, why can't the kids sit in their room? It's not hurting anybody. If that's what the kid wants to do, if he would, you know, the kid is probably going to have problems with the other children anyway. There's a reason why kids sit in their room. And this is just one example, but you know what I mean? Like, having your way sometimes is completely fine. I don't get why, why can't I have a low light on instead of an overhead light that's giving me a headache? You know, things like that. Little things about the world that we need to be a certain way for our survival, for our mental health. And nobody understands. They act like we're just trying to control something. Like, you know, and it's, I don't know if it's a jealousy thing. Like, do they get mad that they can't have things their way all the time? Or they can't control things all the time and they don't want anybody else to? To me, that kind of feels like it might be like that. So, um, we, as autistic people, do a lot of things that are not selfish, but other people don't notice that. So I'm going to talk about a couple examples of that now. So autistic people are really good at excessively thinking and analyzing when it comes to past conversations and interactions with other people and future ones too. So this this is all about social anxiety really we would not have social anxiety if if we didn't care about how things worked out like so here's an example of somebody is going to think overthink think all a lot all day all week all month about a specific interaction that they had with somebody and they're going to think Oh my gosh, what are they what did they think of me? They probably think I'm a horrible person. They probably think I'm stupid, you know. And we will sit and think about this. And sometimes even for years, we will analyze what could I have said instead of that. You know, and just the fact that we think about other people and in, in uh, these interactions so much, I think that proves that we're not selfish. We're not a selfish person is never going to think about anybody else. And we do think about other people. It's not that we don't. It's just that we act differently in regards to that. It's all done on the inside, you know? Like, you, nobody can see in the inside of your brain. And so let's say you're having a conversation with someone and you, you're not good at eye contact, which, you know, most autistic people are not. And then you're looking down at your fingers or something or looking out the window. The other person is going to think that you're selfish because you're just not paying attention to them. But really, it's not like that at all. We, It's just a coping mechanism. We need to not look at the person that's talking to us and 
that's another thing that gets misconstrued as being selfish. And also, autistic people, with our special interests, again, <laughs> we want to include other people in our special interests. Oh my god, so much so. Like, somebody might look at an autistic person and be like, why is that person always by themselves? They don't ever think about anybody else. They just wanna, all they wanna do is be in their own little world and do their little hobby or whatever it is. But that's because we can't connect with people as much if we don't have that shared interest. We want to, we want to include them. We'll try, you know, and that's called info dumping. <laughs> Basically where you just talk about your special interest, trying to get the other person to love it as much as you, and it never is, never is successful, but we try and that's how we do it. That's how we communicate. That's how we try to include people. That's how we try to expand our world. We don't always have to be in our own little world, but it's for reasons because there's nobody that feels this deeply about our special interest as us. So we kind of, by default, we have to enjoy it alone unless we find somebody else that loves it as much as us. So it's not that we don't want to hang out with people. We want to enjoy ourselves and we want to be comfortable and we want to, we don't want to spend all of our energy. So we want to, you know, this goes back to the survival thing again. It's all about preserving our mental health, preserving our energy. So we will not be seen as selfish if somebody shares a special interest with us and wants to do that thing for like a couple of hours and is open, you know, to having that shared experience. That's what we thrive on. You know, we, that's how, that's where we get our joy from. So two examples here, two scenarios, I should say. A group of people wants to hang out with this person and they say, we're gonna go on a road trip and we're gonna stop at all these places and who knows where we're gonna end up, we're just gonna go adventure. And the autistic person's gonna be like, well, where are you gonna go? I need to know where you're going. <laughs> I need to be prepared. I need to know, you know, like, what are some of the stops you're gonna make? What do I have to bring? What should I dress for? And then, you know, the group is gonna be like, why are you being so selfish? Just come with us and enjoy the day. But then the, self, the autistic person will not go and then they'll stay home so that they can be safe and comfortable and do their, their thing that they enjoy by themselves. And that's how that happens, you know, because look at the two choices. Do I stay home and do my awesome thing that I want to do and be safe and know what's going to happen? Or do I spend the whole day being drained by things that I can't control and things that I don't want to do? And then the other example, the, another situation would be, let's say the friends would call up this person and say, we're going to hang out today. Can you hang out? And then the autistic person would say, what are we going to do? And then the group would be like, well, what do you want to do? And then the autistic person might say, I want to, I really want to do this thing. And then they'll say the thing. And then the group will be like, okay, we'll do that thing. <laughs> And then the autistic person, a magical thing happens. We get excited and energetic and happy. And we're like, awesome, I'll be there in five minutes, you know? 
And then that person is going to spend the day being rejuvenated by the fact that their friends are enjoying their favorite thing with them. And that could be seen as selfish too because yeah, the person would have not spent the time with their friends if they weren't going to do that one thing. But, uh, you know, it's, an, it's another uh, defense for special interests, you know, how it, it, they're really that important. I didn't really mean to talk about special interests that much in this episode, but actually now that I'm thinking about it, it really is a really big part of, you know, how, how other people view us as being self-centered and selfish because we're very picky with what we do. We're picky with the situation, the, the environment, and someone taking care of their mental health, taking care of their inner, inner world, it's not a bad thing. And I think the reason why uh, neurotypical people look at it as a bad thing, like, why can't you stop being selfish for five minutes? You know, I think they look at it as a bad thing because they don't understand what it's like to be mentally drained, just doing normal things. They think everybody can just run around and do 10 different things in one day. Some of the things they don't want to do, they always end up doing it anyway and are, they're okay with it. But they don't understand that autistic people are not okay with it. So that's, oh my gosh, I've been talking for 41 minutes. I hope that wasn't too long and I will end this episode now because I've gotten through everything that I wanted to talk about and let me know in the comments. Um, join me over on YouTube so you can leave some comments. I have a YouTube channel where I basically just put the episodes up on there. That way people can respond and talk to other autistic people. And so look for the, I will leave a link down in the show notes for the, um, the YouTube channel. And let me know if you struggle with being called selfish or self-centered and maybe some ways that you deal with it because, you know, the more we help each other, the better our experiences will all be. So thank you so much for listening to this little bit long episode and I will see you again next week.